You are listening to Jesus is Better, a podcast series presented by Church on Mill, where we discover in a momentary trial the eternal truth that Jesus is better. Hello, Church on Mill. Chuck here. I'm very excited that today on the Jesus is Better podcast, we have Pastor Randy Hagler. Hi, Randy. Hi, Chuck. Thrilled. I'm, I'm excited, too. <laughs> I didn't say I was excited. Did I say I was excited? Okay. Yeah. I am excited. Yeah. That's true. You look but, excited. Oh, great. I'm so glad. That's weird because all you can see is my eyeballs. <laughs> the rest of my face is covered with a gigantic mask. So good job, brother. Thank you for uh, coming on the podcast. I'm very, very thrilled to be having this conversation. Thanks. Me too. Uh, Randy, for folks that might be new to the church or uh, this this may get picked up, of course, by people who are not part of our body. Yeah. uh, Would you tell folks uh, who you are? Sure. Uh, My name is Randy Hagler. I've been coming to Church on Mill with my lovely wife, Pam, uh, for a number of years and um, have enjoyed a, a few different roles there one as a as a deacon mm-hmm. and uh, most recently about uh, two three years ago now as, as a pastor as an elder yeah and have been uh, happy to be able to serve the church body and be able to see firsthand uh, get a glimpse of how god is using many people to build his kingdom and it's been an exciting place to be over the last several years happy to be here amen amen well so appreciate you in so many regards Thanks. thank you um we want to uh, jump into kind of a heavy topic, um, mm. but one that is certainly on people's minds more than the normal, uh, and for, in many ways, for, for good reason. And uh, I'm, I'm happy that you're willing to sit down and talk about this. So yeah. we wanted to think together around the, the, the biblical idea of death. And okay. I wonder... Randy, if we could pursue that together via your own experience, uh, that'd be okay with you? Sure. Yeah. Um, so probably quite a few people listening would know something of the diagnosis you were given, mm-hmm. uh, but there, there'd certainly be others who don't. So yeah. I wonder if we could just kind of go, go back in time to um, talk with us uh, initially about uh, kind of some of the symptoms you were having and, and how you first started feeling um, unwell. Sure. Maybe remind us of when that was. Yeah, yeah, no, okay. happy to. Um, it's been actually just a little over two years ago now. Okay. It was uh, August of 2018 All right. that I started feeling ill and was totally convinced that it was food poisoning mm. <laughs> and um, had some some gastrointestinal problems and uh, let's not go into any more details thank you appreciate that (laughs) but it presented itself let's just say it presented itself as food poisoning okay and thought i was all done with that until two three days later it came back yeah and then again and then again and again you got to stop eating the same exactly yeah exactly (laughs) well the, the good news is about going through that process with pam we were both eating the same thing so we're pretty it was it was easy to be able to kind of do a little self-diagnostic mm-hmm. uh, to determine that it wasn't food poisoning, mm-hmm. uh, which led me to uh, going to the doctor then and seeking professional advice. Uh, when I first started run, going, of course, they run blood tests and found out that there was there was something unusual about my liver enzymes. Okay, and there's three major ones for those of you that know a little bit about this, and they were all 
out of kilter. They were not right. Um, is that the professional? That is that's a semi-professional. <laughs> <laughs> My liver um, was off kilter. Off kilter. It was quivering. My uh, liver was quivering. Here's a, here's a professional term for you, uh, bilirubin. Yes. So my bilirubin was not doing well. Yeah. And it was progressing to the point that I was physically turning yellow. Yes. And uh, my liver was not was was not doing well. Yeah. Um, Pastor Big Bird. Mm, yeah. So we did some more testing okay. uh, to determine that I had a, a, a bile duct that was blocked. And it was one that was coming out of the, the liver, actually. There's a the bile system is has a, a few ins and outs, uh, but this one particular out was coming out of the liver and it was blocked and they didn't really know why mm -hmm. other than there was something there that shouldn't be there. Yeah. Uh, so went in for uh, a surgery, finally. <laughs> uh, that took a bit to be able to be, to persuade the doctors to take me seriously and to kind of go through the process of camping out in their lobby until they would take me seriously. Yeah. It was a very frustrating process and I, I was only deteriorating um, uh, but anyway uh, finally did check myself into the hospital yeah and uh, had the the various uh, tests run and in the process of them de determining what was blocking the uh, the bile duct out of the liver uh, they determined that it was a tumor mm -hmm. and it was uh, a cancer mm -hmm. and uh, that led to a um, treatment option, a few different treatment options, one of which was called the Whipple procedure, okay. uh, where they go in and, and basically uh, take out a large portion of the, the liver, the pancreas, the, 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 the bile duct system, the gallbladder, uh, the stomach, and then kind of knit all that back together again in just being able to surgically remove all hints of, of cancer. Yeah. Uh, so I went in for that in November of 18, uh -huh. and it was during that process when they took a a large portion of my pancreas out that they determined that it was actually pancreatic cancer. Okay. So the diagnosis kind of changed right. along this process, which was another, actually, another form of frustration of not really knowing exactly what I had and mm. asking questions about, are you sure this time? Mm. <laughs> are you really convinced that this, mm. that this is really what I have? Mm. And, uh, and yeah, it's, 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 it progressed from the surgery to a 30-day stay in the hospital to, to overcome that, to yeah. heal up from that. Yeah. To then do going through six months of chemotherapy, uh, to then transitioning into about two months of radiation therapy. Okay. And all of that ended. The last uh, formal treatment that I had would have been um, August of last year. Right. August of 19. Yeah. Thanks so much for being willing to talk about this. Um, uh, that's a great overview. I wonder if we could um, zoom down at a few particular moments. Um, and and think uh, um, a bit more about them. You, you've had a, a very invasive surgery. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a, a, about as extensive as as surgeries get. Yeah, ten hours. Yeah, ten hour process of, of having parts removed and dissected and yeah. resectioned. Yeah, you hear Whipple and you think like, oh, you stubbed your toe and you <laughs> <laughs> you yelled Whipple. So. This is, it's a little, um, the, the word doesn't seem to describe, uh, as I recall, it's actually named after the guy that invented it, isn't it? Is. it? Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. The infamous Dr. Whipple. Yeah. Um, I, with a name like that, you got to do something <laughs> with it. So 
Well, you know, he also invented the Whipple Ball. I don't know if you ever played with that when you were a kid. The Whipple Ball? The Whipple Ball. Most people mispronounce it as a Whiffle Ball. Okay. It's actually the Whipple Ball. <laughs> so is that what they replace all those parts they take out? Do they put a Whipple Ball in exactly. there? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's go back to your, your, your in the hospital, and uh, they've, they've identified there's, there's a tumor that's got to come out. Um, do you remember how itchy you were? Oh, yeah, that was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was absolutely horrible. Yeah, you you were. I remember sitting with you and Pam in the hospital. Mike came along, as I recall. Mm-hmm. And um, you were just uncontrollably itchy from head to toe and were literally yellow. Uh, and, uh, you know, just, just in a really, really awful symptomatic state. And... They identified finally after all of this that that there really was a pretty significant problem and that you had to get that out. Did yeah. did they originally think it was going to be cancer? No, they they didn't. They knew that there was some kind of blockage, but you know, I, I guess from maybe gallstones, other types of, of blockages that's in different organs in the body that that they didn't really consider it. At least they didn't pose it to be anything sig- significant. Yeah. yeah. So you you. You have this surgery, and then I think even post-surgery, if I recall right, they've they've um, said, yeah, we don't think it's almost almost positive it's not cancerous. Right. Yeah. So you're you're recovering from mm-hmm. that that extensive of a surgery, and then uh, how'd you find out? I remember distinctly the the uh, the hospital room that we were in was adjacent to a large. Uh, gathering area, meeting area, that you could go out and sit on a couch and get out of your room for a little while okay. uh, without being out of the supervision, the direct supervision of the, of the nursing staff. And it, it faced the west. It was up on the third floor of Banner Desert and just a beautiful view of South Mountain with the sun setting. Mm. And uh, Pam and I were sitting there when the oncologist came mm. and said, well, got some bad news. It's pancreatic cancer. Uh, we, we think that we've got it all through uh, the surgery. But to really do a good job, we'd like to go through this treatment option with you to talk about that. And, of course, as soon as he said pancreatic surgery, I think I stopped listening mm-hmm. at that point, right? Because that is, it's, that's not the kind of cancer you want to get. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, that night was really so unusual because we, after he left and after um, we sat there stunned, both of us stunned, uh, we both started to weep Mm -hmm. uh, from the news, just not really knowing uh, exactly what was going to happen. Sure. And also being totally unprepared for that conversation. Right. Uh, There was, uh, again, in the background, this this beautiful sunset, and uh, there there was a a worship song that came to mind uh, that is that talks all about the glory of God. Mm -hmm. And I I started humming it, Mm -hmm. and uh, we just cuddled on the couch looking at the beautiful sunset as I was humming this song Gosh. and as we were both weeping. Uh, there was a, uh, a daughter and a mother that was sitting on the couch down a bit from us and they were having a conversation I couldn't really hear. And then the, the daughter started playing a song on her iPhone for her mother. And it was a Christian song. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a news newsboy song, and uh, uh, 
is it called Hallelujah? Oh, I wish I could remember the name now. Uh, but it was a beautiful song that was huh. all about God's creation and the wonder and the splendor of that. Huh. Wow. And, uh, to hear that at that point just really uh, boosted us. Mm. And it, it really set the stage, mm. I think, uh, for God to, to communicate to us that, that he has this. He knows about it, even though we were surprised he wasn't. He knew what was coming. Yeah. And that he was not going to abandon us or leave us alone through this. Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, if if people are not, uh, if people don't die in some kind of tragic accident, mm -hmm. then most of us will live long enough that we'll get some kind of diagnosis. So you've been uh, sat in that, looked at it face to face, um, and now, two years later, are still walking with the Lord. So there's a lot we can learn from you in that regard. And so uh, just would so encourage people who are listening to, to engage you on that as there's opportunity. Um, there's a living example here for us. And so just love you and so thankful for that. Uh, so you, you, you guys kind of got through the, the next few days and dealt with the really significant uh, invasive nature of that surgery mm -hmm. and then you had to start chemo and uh, nothing like getting a bunch of poison pumped in <laughs> <laughs> on top of uh, having those wiffle balls inside or wiffle balls <laughs> sorry in there so what what uh, what did you expect ahead of time uh, so mm -hmm. you're a you are a man who um, walks with the Lord throughout the day you know mm -hmm. in in Genesis, we hear about Enoch, that he walked with God. Mm -hmm. uh, and you, uh, frankly, more than most people I've ever met, have a, a daily understanding of a, 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 an abiding with Christ and live in your union with him. You do that very, very well. Mm -hmm. um, so as, as you've lived that, and then you knew, well, I'm going to go through not only the surgery, but now I've got a serious diagnosis and... Mm -hmm. I'm going to do chemo and I'm not working and at home. And what did you imagine that was going to be like <laughs> versus what it actually turned out to be? Well, you know, I, I had a beautiful, wonderful script and I presented it to God and I said, this is how it's going to roll, right? Yeah. Okay. I understand. Uh, this is a different phase in my life, different season. I'm sick now and uh, it's up to you, Lord, on whether or not I, I, I walk through this or you take me home and I'm, I'm good either way. But in the process, I can just imagine what it's going to be like. Mm -hmm. And here's some of the things that I imagine. Would you please go ahead and delight me with providing all of my expectations? Mm -hmm. So when that didn't happen, I was left with a, a tremendous amount of, I don't know, Chuck, it was, it was weird. It was a combination of, of guilt because I, I knew that what I was doing was, was wrong, yeah. that it was sinful that I was putting God in a box and telling him how to be God. Um, it was also frustration because I, I just really believed that this was going to be such a special time between him and me. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, and it, there was definitely disappointment behind that because out of all of this, I, I knew that I could get through it if, if I just felt close to him. Yeah. That that would be the one solace that I would have in, in carrying, moving forward with this. Right. So again, when none of that happened, it was... 
I, I didn't realize how heavy of a burden that was and how desperate I'd become until I had a friend from church uh, come over to spend lunch with me mm -hmm. one day. Mm -hmm. um, you think I should mention his name or not? What do you think? It's up to you. Up to me. <laughs> it would embarrass him. Maybe I shouldn't. Right. But a, a dear close friend that was concerned about how I was doing, and he came over and, and had lunch with me one day, and he just simply asked, how you doing at some point in the conversation? And after about 10 minutes of blubbering, I think I, I finally started to get a hint that I, I wasn't doing well. Mm -hmm. uh, thank, thank God that, that he sent him that, and that he responded and that he asked that really crucial question at a really important time in my life where I didn't, I had no expectation of him asking that and I really had no preparation of how I would respond to that. Mm. But boy, it's, it, it came pouring out of me. Uh, I was really thankful for that. It helped me to be able to understand that, that I had some unhealthy expectations of what God was going to do with that time. Okay. And that uh, I, I needed to come down from that and allow God to minister to me in a way that, that, was, that, that was to his choosing. Yeah. And actually how that all turned out was really quite beautiful because where I was imagining, expecting, hoping in this one-off miracle extravaganza from God to mm. say, you know, here's writing in the sky for you, Randy Hagler. I love you so much that I'm going to touch you personally. This is going to be just a miraculous moment between me and you. It didn't happen that way. Right. What God did use was his church. Huh. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> God using, orchestrating his body of believers to be able to minister to a person in need. Who would have ever thought that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you have been that to so many. So, uh, as recent as today. So, um, you, you've done a great job of articulating that. Thank you. Um, you know, it's, 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 the struggle for you wasn't, um, you expected, well, God will, by virtue of some kind of, extrapolation that he's promised you you're, you'll be healed or yeah. that he's going to give you more time that you can do xyz right. um, or that there'll be a reprieve here so that you and pam can finally make that big trip you want to make um, that's not the stuff you're talking about no um, it's that the 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 degree and the level of suffering you were in and, and coupled with quote unquote all the free time <laughs> mm -hmm. you you had because you were too sick to do anything else that 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 would by virtue of, of itself uh, automatically produce like a you know euphoric closeness with Christ yeah and um, you know um, it's uh, telling that 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 that's the the thing that was on your mind as you entered that I think that communicates a lot about your maturity in the Lord. Um, and it also draws out, Randy, that the scriptures tell us so much about what happens when we suffer mm -hmm. that sometimes it's easy to misunderstand those texts such that we enter the suffering expecting, well, in the suffering, I'm going to be experiencing consistently more of Christ than I ever had before. Right. And uh, that just, I don't think is actually how that works most of the time. No, it really isn't. So you, you had, um, 
a lot of days where what did your day consist of? <laughs> <laughs> Physically wandering between the bed, the bathroom, and the kitchen. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> and it's, you know, you, you had stretches where you're um, getting up to eat something. So right. walking those eight, nine, ten feet, mm-hmm. uh, you were then done for the rest yeah, of the day. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, yeah. Some days it was all I could do just to just to get up and go to the bathroom. Right. And then just be totally wiped out just by that. Yeah. So. So on top of that level of physical suffering, there was the sense of you've done something wrong spiritually. Mm-hmm. That there's not right this feeling of didn't pray hard enough. Yeah, didn't confess the right sin. Yeah, didn't exactly. read the Bible enough. Yep, didn't. So, brother, as you look back on that time, would you now say, well, I can. Yes, the Lord was carrying me through that and helping me and sustaining me, and the suffering has produced things that I can now have a sense of. Um, or would you just say, well, geez, it's just kind of a wash at this point. <laughs> no, it's definitely more the former than the latter. Hmm. It's just that it, it took me a long time, not the sharpest tool in the toolbox. Uh... <laughs> it took me a while to be able to really see and appreciate how God was moving in my life because it didn't meet my expectation it just went right over my head okay okay yeah that's uh, that's insightful what would you say to the listener who's uh they're just they're just entering that period of real trial or they've been in it a while and um how might you serve as that friend you talked about Mm. no i would recommend that they that they push in as, as much as they can to God's word, understanding that there'll be some days and some times that they, they just can't. Yeah. Between the mental fog of the chemo yeah. and between my own physical ability to, to stay awake for more than mm-hmm. 15 minutes at a time, mm-hmm. I, I was not able to, to, my expectations were not being met on, on the level of time that I could spend in God's mm-hmm. word. Yeah. yeah. So if that happens, because it's, very likely it will. Uh, there, there isn't any need to think that that's any indication that, that you're failing God. Yeah. That you're not living up to uh, what He has planned for you. That's good. It just simply means that you need time to be able to heal uh, from whatever it is that you're going through. That's good. Uh, and the other thing I would suggest is that you know expectations can be a, a dangerous thing. It's it's great to have biblical expectations, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it's it's so easy to be able to to warp those into being something that's more about us than it is about God. Uh, so being open to to something very different that, that God is moving in, yeah, uh, without uh, having any type of grudge or disappointment yeah. or frustration with it yeah. is a challenge. Yeah, that's wise. Yeah, you know, I think for a lot of us, that process is is more. Uh, I was living and experiencing X, and then this Y has happened, and it, it's more dealing with it on the front end, mm-hmm. as opposed to I expected in the suffering that this would be happening or be produced by the Lord. So, uh, 
it, it, but it's not fundamentally something different. It's the same thing. It, there's expectations that we had about how our lives are going to go. That's and, right. Yeah. Uh, then they don't pan out. And yeah. uh, how do we handle that in relationship to the Lord? And, you know, in your case, it was um, uh, the, 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 the level of trauma that your body had gone through and then was ongoingly experiencing given the the chemo i mean mm -hmm. they're literally killing parts of you um and other people can experience that level of hardship with other kinds of suffering absolutely you, you can get that through a, a, a relationship going south yeah through the, the death of a child yeah through um there's just you know we could go on down the list so um Sometimes we're just so broken by something that there's not much we can do spiritually, emotionally, exactly, physically. Mm -hmm. um, and being carried by the Lord through that when we don't realize that that's what's happening is how the growth in the suffering so often happens as opposed to uh, oh, there's something I'm actively doing that is sustaining me through this. Yeah. You know, it's the coming to the end of ourselves and and realizing, yeah, we we don't we yeah. don't we don't have anything to offer. Yeah. There was this term that I that I that you hear every now and again. If if you are the one that's in the middle of suffering, well, Lord, just help me suffer well. Mm. But it it still it has a nasty way of turning it, yep. its head on you to make you be the one that now I have to do this and I have to do it well. Yeah. And if I'm not doing X, Y, and Z, then I'm not suffering well, yeah. Lord, and I'm not representing you well, and gosh, how awful and horrible I am. Yeah, right. Um, it Certainly when people say that or think that, they're it, 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 not meaning it with teeth, um, but it, it is problematic because mm -hmm. Ultimately, we're looking, we're looking for the Lord to do what only the Lord can do. And that often comes in, um, the, the medicine doesn't taste very good. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. So, so um, you know, that, that it's kind of an uncomfortable question to ask you, but what, what kind of diagnosis were you given? I mean, what, what's the prognosis in terms of uh, what, what typically happens when somebody gets this? So all uh, cancers are rated with life expectancy in the, in the five-year time frame. Okay. So as you go to the internet and search and you look at life expectancy for any type of cancer, what you're gonna find from the National Cancer Institute is a table that is set up in a five-year increment with the idea being if you make it five years, you've made it. Right. The chances are you will not die from that cancer, but you'll die from something else. Okay. Um, pancreatic cancer is high. Uh, there is a 94% of the people who contracted die within five years. Wow. Gosh. So how are you, if we, if we kind of look back at what you've been through, if, now yeah. let's think about today. Yeah. Um, how, what is it like to know uh, you may have something terminal right now in your body and you got to get up and live today. What is, what is that like? I, I think that if we look at, at the broader term of death, biblically, 
okay. that it has a, a unique way of being able to sharpen our senses for today. Interesting. That if we can process through our own mortality and the fear that's associated with that, then we have a much better chance of being able to enjoy life for the way that it's meant. Oh. And particularly, there's, there's a, a psalm that I really like, huh. uh, Psalm 90, that it, within this, he, he ushers, utters two different uh, prayers. And if I could, it's Psalm 90, and the verses specifically that I'm talking about are, are verses 12 and 4. Again, two different prayers. Uh, the first one in, in verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days, that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Hmm. And that's, that's great, but I, I think what he's saying is that, Lord, help me to be able to understand that I'm not going to live forever. Right. Uh, help me to get, you know, use these days in the most uh, God-glorifying way that I can. And then in 14, it, it shifts a bit. And that a second prayer is, Oh, satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. So there's this essence, right, between helping us to be able to understand what death is and being able to help us understand what the joy of, of life is. Uh, to kind of paraphrase it from a, from a book that, that I read that was very helpful to me, is that essentially teach me to live with the reality of my death so that I can live in the gladness of your love. And those two, it's, it's a short psalm, and this is just right in the center of it, but right. yet that ministered to me so well in being able to understand both the, the issue with the end of life as well as the, as the continuance of life. Wow. So every day I can live in the joy of the Lord knowing that he has me, Wow. right? Wow. But in the background, always running is waiting for this other shoe to drop. Right. You know, when will I get, when will I go back? and the diagnosis won't be good. Yeah. You know, and if it's not this, and hopefully it's it's not, you know, hopefully I'll make it more than I'm, I'm just over 2 years into this 5-year <laughs> window. Right. But if I come out through the 5-year window, uh, something someday I I'm not going to live forever. So mm. I I will die if mm. not from pancreatic cancer then certainly from something. Mm. So to be able to appreciate death for what it is biblically as a gift that God gives us to be able to help order life in a way that really does point to his glory, helps me to be able to, to get to a point that I can really truly enjoy the life that he's given me, hmm. to really truly enjoy him hmm. being, being in my life. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. A lot there to think about. There is, isn't it? God's word is, I mean, death is, it may not be on every page in the Bible, but it's a frequent topic. And, you know, the, the, the folks from, at the beginning of this, there's another verse that just, it just captures you. It's not anything that pleasant to really think about. It says, in verse 3, it says, you turn man back into dust. <laughs> you know, who wants to be turned back into dust? It's not a real pleasant topic, but yet uh, God's word doesn't, we're not ashamed to be able to mention death. It's not mm. a taboo topic. It's yeah. something that is that is probably one of the most natural parts of life. And whether we... Uh, deal with it honestly or not really sets a stage to help us to determine if we can live a life that is really about him and his joy, having joy in him, finding joy in him. Hmm. Great counsel, brother. Um, so if I'm understanding you correctly, um, would you say that if uh, certainly culturally, but we could make, make the 
point a little more fine and say, even in the church, um, and especially in a church like ours where the average age is rather young, mm-hmm. that there isn't much thought given to death. And when it, when it is, even when someone passes away, that there, it's more, I want to avoid that mm-hmm. and set that aside because I don't really want to think about that. Right. Um, would, would you say that actually in your case, it being front and center has made life richer. Is, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's because I'm now dealing with death honestly rather than trying to do everything I can to avoid it. Wow. Gosh. So if that's a new idea to me, what should I read that might help me? You mentioned a book. Yeah, this little book that I picked up a couple of months ago, it's called Remember Death. Okay. It's appropriately covered, uh, has a black cover with a black title. <laughs> you have to look very closely at it just to be able to see what the title of the book is. And it's written by a gentleman oh. named Matt McConnell. Wow. And okay. I would highly recommend it. It's not long, maybe 200 pages. It's it's a short read, but man, it's it's deep. Okay. I think he does a great job of being able to uh, condense all the material biblically okay. in, in four different categories. And if I can just have a second here to be able to, to talk about those... Uh, one of the categories is that the problem of identity, who are we? All right. And the promise of union with Christ. Yep. The problem of futility, what am I going to be spending my time mm-hmm. and efforts in? And the promise of purpose. Mm. The problem of loss. And the promise of eternal life. Mm. The problems of life and the, glo- and the promise of glory. So those four categories, again, he, he just does, I, I think, a wonderful job of being able to gather up everything he can biblically and presenting it in a way that, that shows us both sides of the coin. Awesome. That the problems that we will experience specific to death and then the promises that the Lord gives us specific to eternal life. Yeah. Awesome. So remember death. Remember death. Okay. Um, church, that might seem like an odd book t- title. Even more so, it might seem like an odd truth that in remembering death, we actually live more fully. But that is very biblical. It's also very much what Randy has experienced. Thank you so much, brother, for being willing to talk about this. Thanks for having me. I believe you've served uh, us very, very well. I wonder if, um, maybe unusually here, we could end with you just praying for people about uh, them uh, coming to terms with some of what we talked about today. Sure. Okay. Okay, let's pray. <laughs> uh, Lord, thank you, first off, for, for being who you are. Uh, you not only created us, Lord, but uh, you, you planned to save us, and you came. You did something that none of us could do uh, by, by serving as a substitutionary death, um, by giving us a hope to be able to have and to hold that never disappoints uh, by the, your resurrected life. You, you didn't just come and die for our sins, Lord. You defeated death. Because you defeated death, our identity in you is eternal. Death has no claim on us as your children. Not only did you justify us, Lord, but you adopted us as yours. We are heirs of yours. And the same death that you defeated because of what you have done with your work on the cross, 
we can now trust in you that we too someday will be resurrected. I pray specifically, Lord, for I know a struggle that I had in, in dealing with this issue of resurrection. Uh, I pray, Lord, that, that uh, for all that, that are at a point where they are really, maybe for the first time, considering their own mortality, uh, that they would think about, pray about, and, and, and read about uh, this issue of a, a resurrected life. Yes. And, and not so much, Lord, to be able to gather head knowledge and to um, come up with an idea or a concept or proper thinking about resurrection, but, but to actually meet you, to see you, mm -hmm. to behold you mm -hmm. as the resurrected life itself. Lord, I pray that the, um, none of us would get hung up on this idea of resurrection, but all of us would fall in love with a resurrected Savior. Mm. Um, please, Lord, reveal yourself to us as the one who has conquered death so that we may follow the person of the resurrection, yes, God. not the, the, any kind of concept or idea. Uh, we ask, Lord, that you would comfort those now that are, are dealing with this in a way that is, that is filled with uncertainty and insecurity. Yeah. Uh, that the security of, of you and your salvation for them, the offer that you make for eternal life is real. I pray that you would give them the courage that, that many of us need, Lord, to be yeah. able to confess that our life that we've lived has been totally based upon us and not you, and then seek you, your forgiveness, and your salvation. Uh, Lord, I pray for all my brothers and sisters now who do know you, um, but are still confused and bewildered by uh, a recent prognosis or maybe just a feeling in their stomach or, or maybe a series of, of headaches that they've had that seems to be mm. uh, unexplainable. I pray that you would help them to be able to understand that you know what's going on, that, you, that, that nothing slips by you and that they can come to you at any time and rest in you, hope in you, and trust in you. And Lord, we all need more of that. None of us trust in you perfectly, hope in you rightly, or fully believe you with all of our hearts. And so we come to you, Lord, and ask for your forgiveness. Help us to grow up and mature in you. And may we all become more Christ-like in the process so that this world can see that you are indeed a living God, a God who loves, who cares, who is near, and who is eager to listen to our prayers. Uh, thank you for allowing us to come to your throne room today, Jesus, to pour out our hearts. And we ask that you would help us, uh, that you would uh, embolden us with this truth that you've given, and that even in the process of, or even in the, in, in the uh, crosshairs of, of suffering and death, uh, that we would still be seen as, as yours. I ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. for listening to this episode of Jesus is Better. For more info, visit us at www.churchonmill.org. That's churchonmill.org.